Need to um, clear your nose, mate. No, I'm ready to go. Yeah. Mm. New year, new podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of the setup? Yeah, it's good. Um, are you, we're filming this, right? Yeah. Where's it going? YouTube. Okay. So for <clears> those that don't go on the tube, um, describe this. The setup. Yeah. So we've we we decided to spend a little bit and invest a bit because a lot of our CVM's kit, we have moments where we buy kit, mm. we have a good run of use out of it, mm. and then time moves on and we're still stuck with old kit and we're still. You run it into the ground. We do. Like an we old really do. Car. I actually looked next door. We've got some storage, and I looked, and we've got like GoPro fours or something like that. They're now on like nine or ten. Yeah. I mean, are they, they good just, for anything? No, they're pretty much dead. So they don't uh, hold their charge. And, no, not really. What can we use them for? I don't know. Could we set them up in here? We could do. Yeah, I mean, there might be something we do. Like them. clamp them to a pipe yeah. or something. Yeah. But yeah, new setup. So for blokes that maybe are, are listening, not watching. We've put together in one of the offices at the uh, hub where Edge and CVM are based. We tried to create a little mm. studio, haven't we, mate? Yeah, it's cool. It's like a back room. We did it up uh, about a year ago, put some yep. carpet down, painted the walls. Yeah. But now you've come in with your acoustic foam. Got some acoustic foam. Yeah, some LED lighting. Blue neons. And uh, some lighting. Um, we've got some lighting going on. But also we've got these... New mics. So um, we've got the short SMB7s on these beautiful Rode PSA One Plus. Okay. Mic arms. Sounds good. Yeah, and going into the Zoom H6, and we're trying to create a nice setup so yeah. we get the good quality yeah. podcast out. Yeah, and also at some point in the next few months, we're taking over a community centre, aren't we, that we purchased, yeah. Edge purchased, and... Um, I think that upper room flat, Mate, it'd be great, it's right? just going to be an amazing podcast studio. Uh, so, because we are taking it up a notch, we are. And, and the idea of this is, is sit in, get comfortable. Yeah. You might listen to this in instalments. Yeah. There's no rush. We're just chewing the fat. We're talking. We're bouncing ideas. We may not be right on everything, but we're just chewing it. I think we're going to be right on ninety nine percent. Most, most, most things we are right. Mate, I bought this for us to try. Oh, what is it? It's the Belvoir. Farm. Oh, I do like a bit of Belvoir Farm. Sparkly. Since I gave up the booze, I do have a little bit of uh, Belvoir every now and again. It's like a Christmas tipple in my house. Can I? Uh, what one is this? This is the sparkling elderflower. Oh, I love elderflower, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's going to be lovely on the uh, on a microphone. On the mic, yeah. yeah, thank you, my friend. A, what's it called? Just... ASMR, isn't it? Oh, when they do all this. Let's, yeah, well, okay. let's just talk about TikTok. <laughs> so you're doing a little experiment, trying to go mm. viral. We talked about chaotic eating. Well, talk to me about it. What's it going was just on, a mate? bit of fun. You know, we're always joking about getting a viral hit. And, um, yeah, I, I've got a TikTok account, which I don't cross-post. What does that mean? Well, I don't put it on Facebook or Twitter. I've right. got a TikTok account. And I'm actually fairly anonymous on there. People don't really know that it's me. Right, okay. Um, uh, but yeah, it, I'm, I'm currently I'm, I change it. But currently, I'm vintage bloke, I think, or retro bloke. Retro bloke. Is he a retro bloke? Is My it? name is vintage bloke, or something like that. They something count like that. It. Yeah. Anyway, over Christmas, you know, you're kind of sitting around and uh, you know, been for the family walk or whatever, yeah. which I do, and everyone's dossing about. Yeah. I thought I'd try and get a TikTok viral hit. 
What's classed as viral? 100K? I guess so. Is I think it, it's 100K as a viral. 100K. So I changed my name from Plants Bloke, which was dismal failure because I wasn't <laughs> focused. It's like a hotspot thing. So I deleted mm. all the videos bar three. Wow. And then I, I, um, I, I thought, what, what would people like? So I got a clip of Elvis and I got a clip of uh, Evil Knievel, Big Daddy the Wrestler. Yeah. Uh, different strokes, you know, what you're talking about, Willis. I yeah. did all of that. Yeah. And then I then I got some, I used to have a Spectrum 48K as oh. a kid. So I got some clips of like classic <coughs> Manic Minor, Hoist Go Skip. Can you, can you play the audio clip? Yeah, just yeah, now so yeah, people yeah, can hear yeah. it. Because yeah, so... <laughs> once it's in your head, it's not going to leave. <laughs> It'll destroy you for nine years. <laughs> oh, no, that's uh, Battle Star Galactica. Here we go. So I did a clip of um, Manic Minor, and I just put ZX Spectrum, Manic Minor, brackets, it'll be in your head all day. And that, it just repeats on a loop over, like, five seconds, uh, ten seconds. Yeah. 716 likes, 138 comments, and 53,000 views later, in, like, a week, I'm on my way to my viral hit. At this one... That's had ten thousand, and um, yeah, and look, I I got a I've got an old Corgi James Bond car. You know the one yeah. that went underwater. Yeah, yeah. Wait, I just pushed it across my office floor and I filmed the last few seconds and then put a, this on it. How many that? Um, ten thousand. <laughs> So it's not so, difficult being an influencer is what we're saying. No, but then one of the ones on my account is is a quote. I just put a quote about the man in the arena. And then I think the next thing I do, I might just put like a faith-based thing up there. Fascinating. Up there. And, yeah, and yeah. they're on my account, right? I mean, yeah. my numbers are going up through the roof at the yeah. moment. So, Very interesting. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's fascinating what people watching and and it's interesting how quick it goes so i did a mute i did a drum and bass track once and i put it to a video of billy graham and i used some of one of billy yeah. graham's talks yeah and i put it on instagram as a reel put it on it had about four five hundred views and i'm right. thinking okay that's not bad well, that's right. and then it got to evening for us so Sort of morning for America. Right, you hit the stage. And it went to 10,000. No, Almost, I yeah. didn't know that went to 10,000. Almost instantly. You're joking. And I said to Jen, my wife, I was like, this is at 2,000. No, wait, it's gone four. It, I was watching it. It just went up to 10 instantly. No way. Yeah. That's incredible. So it's hitting the States thing. Yeah. Because, you know, I've got this Twitter account. Yeah. Well, I put stuff on there like, um, put a post up saying, morning, everyone, a picture of a flower, and I'll go, evening, yeah. everyone. And I hit both sides of the Atlantic at different times, and they do spike. Yeah. It's, mate, it's the Americans that make us. It is, mate. Without I, them, we'd be, we'd be well, in the virtual nothing <laughs> wastelands. But I'm off, I'm off the social still, you know. Yeah. That, right? So I'm still not engaged. Occasionally I go on. Like last night, I went on, but I have to go on via the website. Okay. I haven't got the apps. What's that felt like? Do you know what? I went back on and mm. I liked to post from Annabelle, who we know just got yeah, engaged. Annabelle Clark. Lovely. Yeah. Put a like, started to flick through, and then I just thought, you know what? As much as I like not hearing bothered. people's news, I just, I'm not interested. So mm. I just came off again. But how are you, are you feeling like, like you do when you give up sugar? Like at first you feel no. rubbish and you feel great. No, I, I just, just it's feel gone, nothing. yeah. So you don't it, feel like you've got more life or. Oh, definitely. But I'm used to it. I'm used to that now. It's been about eight months. 
Is it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I used to Is see anyone asked where you are? No. See, that's the thing. No one's... No, no. one No one cares. No, I don't think they do, mate. <laughs> no one cares. No. And I use it to post occasionally, like, music that I do, and, you know, because I want to reach people with some stuff. I wonder, you know, if I just... If I just stop posting... Now, interestingly, actually, because I was a little bit... A little bit under the weather for yeah. a couple of weeks. I didn't, I didn't post much on my um, plants bloke account. And That's then a Twitter I, only account. Yeah, isn't it? yeah and then okay. and all it is is gardening. Yeah, and then I, I posted something and people did say, "Oh, I wondered if you're all right." I oh, really? You. Yeah. When that, but when I started posting again on my other accounts, like nothing. in the no nothing. Yeah, no, no, I, I find know, that's mate. very intriguing. And I do wonder if part of it is, is part of it our Christian accounts, like our church-based stuff. Yeah. I mean, we're providing a service, like we're leaders, we're communicators, commentators. Yeah. And so there's there might be a personal relationship with some, but actually you're fulfilling like a service. So you stop providing that service mm. and people disengage. My plants bloke account is a personal thing. I'm engaging with people about their personal hobbies and their interests. Yeah. And they do connect with you in a, on a different way. I wonder mm. if it's that. What do yeah. you think? Yeah. What is, mate? Some olives, some feta. I don't know, mate. I just found, like I've said this before, I didn't have the bandwidth to keep checking all this stuff. And mm. and I don't know. I Yeah, I'm reading more. I'm making more music. I'm creating stuff. I'm trying to do half hour on a piano every day. Oh, yeah. I picked it back up. Amazing, mate. Mm. Do you know, mate, I, I downloaded. Mm. So, you know, I use Logic Pro on the Mac yeah. for my music. I downloaded a grand piano. So, they've sampled a grand piano, put microphones all over it, and they've sampled it. And it's, it produces like a plug in that you yeah. can buy. So, what I do is I plug my MIDI keyboard, my Casio keyboard right. into laptop, headphones in, mm. and then play, play my keyboard. But what I'm hearing. It's a grand, grand piano. piano. No way. And I'm sitting there on my landing, chaos, playing a grand piano. So I've got this Beautiful. KY, is that how you pronounce it? Kawi or KY? K A W A I, I don't know how you pronounce it. Corgi? No, K A W A I, K Y. Kawi. I'm not sure how you get that. I don't one. think we can do that. No, I can't do that. But anyway, I've got one of them. Mm. And that's all sampled, like concert piano, Beautiful. jazz piano. And you know, when you particularly when you put your headphones on, it's like you're in a you different place. You lose yourself, man. So I think the piano is quite possibly the most beautiful instrument. Yeah, I, I, I don't think you can beat it. Bagpipes. I mean, that's close. Yeah, that's real close. <laughs> but a piano with some reverb, some some yeah. large room reverb. Oh. and you lose yourself on it. So I'm yeah. teaching myself the first and second movements of Moonlight Sonata nice. again. This when I was younger. I'm like, oh. Because you I can see. play the piano well. I can, we yeah, said. I can, but I, yeah, I, it took me time. It took me about three hours to really get back into it, but you know, right. to remember, like, get my hands working yeah. and probably. Yeah. But I say to Cameron now, oh, I'm just, I'm just disappearing for an hour. Yeah. Now go down. I put the heaters on timer. So go down the garden. Lights on. Close the blinds. Yeah, you got it in the office, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh mate. Yeah, we yeah. organised the office too. However, yeah. I need to come over. Yeah, yeah. You, flight simulator still, or not so much? A little bit, yeah. Took a Hawk fast jet low level through, uh, nice. through the Alps the other day. Yeah. VR. Mm. Bit of escapism, isn't it, mate? Because life is stuff. so full on. Yeah. Right? 
you know, yeah. it's just a lot happening. Yeah, there is a lot. So finding there. those avenues of yeah. decompressing. Yeah, that's important. I think so. It, and I think it's important if it's a something something that's good for you in every sense. Because I think you could say, well, going down the pub with the lads, you know, or, or having a few and a big curry. Do you know what I mean? It's not mm. good for you. Oh, we've done all that, haven't we? Well, I think there's a time and a place and a season for it. But it's that escapism in, in ways that are creative or bring know, life. Before and... um, I gave up the booze, yeah. we'd go out, wouldn't we, and get a couple of beers in. I'd start feeling all fidgety. and yeah. Not because I didn't enjoy coming. Obviously, we, <laughs> love, but we love hanging out. Yeah. Like, best well. mates. Like, we sit here can talk nonsense yeah. for hours. We will get on some solid content, don't yeah. worry. But... But when I was drinking, I'd start feeling all fidgety mm. and, like, it's got to be more. Yeah. And I think it's because, like, the creative side of me and yeah. there's something that wanted substance. It's like we can enjoy us as more than just going out and eating mm. or having a beer. Yeah, yeah. And actually, since we both quit the sauce yeah. and uh, and obviously we don't spend time doing that and we do other things, I don't know about you, but more productive, having more fun, am, yeah, chilled am, out, yeah. more yeah, peace. yeah. yeah. Because you're bringing more things into your yeah, life as well, aren't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. And to be fair, I mean, what am I now? Nine months, something like that. I I don't think about it anymore. And we've got some here, the Erdinger, alcohol-free, oh, yeah. beautiful. Mm. Absolutely, it's like a fizzy drink now, isn't it? Is, it, that? it and is. one of them, you're all right, isn't it? You're all right, mate. And I was texting you the other day, so I had my over forty checkup. Mm. So I'm for, nearly forty-four, to be fair, this yeah. year. So I put it off four years, um, and I went. And the, the nurse, she said to me, first question, how much do you drink? Right. And I said, nothing, you know, I don't drink. She said, oh, all right, how much do you smoke? I said, like, nothing, don't smoke. What's your eating like? I said, eating's all right. I mean, I do, I love a donut and I do eat sugar, but I try and eat well. You eat fairly clean, don't you? Yeah, and she was like, what about exercise? Assuming, like, you know, I don't no. do it. No, I was like, no, I do, for like three days a week, minimum. She said, oh, right. Everything came back good, bloods, cholesterol, no problem. There you go. And I was like, I was just quite pleased. I was like, actually, I'm doing all I can to, to maintain your to the maintain. body God's given you well. Yeah, yeah, to maintain. This is what extra I can do, of course, but like not eat these crisps that we're going to eat. Yeah, open them up. We've got a load of dips here as well, mate. We've got to sustain ourselves over the next couple of hours. These are thicker and crunchier with a hint of salt. Now, there's an interesting thing. Mm. You know, like the whole men's ministry world, a lot of it is based around, and I've made this joke for years, you know, pile the food high. I think that's on our course. It's on our know. strategy list. Yeah, pile the food that's high. That's what we say. Get saturated fat. But we're not we're not advocating that as an everyday... We're saying that blokes do centre around food. And we they don't want, advocate that as everyday, but... And they'll want to go to a curry and have a beer. We're not saying don't. Oh, avocado bit. But um, what I was going to say is, a lot of men actually eating a crisp. <laughs> Based on identity around the boozing. Yeah. Now, in our culture, a Western culture, where mm. there is no real singular definition of a man, and being a man is mm. under attack. Mm. No doubt about it. Or gender identity, the whole concept of gender identity is under attack. Yeah. Uh, some guys have gone down the, oh, yeah, I can do 10 pints and a curry and I'm mm. fine in the morning. That is not masculinity, mm. is it? No. It's a, it's a pale representation of, or it's no representation at all what it is to be a man. But No. 
it's an interesting one. You know, a lot of guys, they're searching for that, who am I? I'm well, a man. And you've got, you got a massive galactic rise in influence and global recognition of people like Jordan Peterson. Yes. <clears throat> who are <clears throat> enabling a, or, or if you like, the front of a voice hmm. that a lot of men are wanting to be heard. Very interesting how, I mean, he is he is very, he's such a good communicator and there's a lot going for him that is outside of his message, if you like. But, I mean, you've probably seen on TikTok videos of him sobbing yeah. about the plight of young men yeah. and the loss yeah, of identity. Weeping, yeah. and, and whether you're... When he says I'm giving a voice to voiceless people, yeah. because a lot of men don't speak up. They just go yeah. quiet and withdraw, yeah. actually. Yeah. And, and Some men go, the, the alpha male, they'll... To be like the silverback, I'm in the room, yeah. I'm in the room, and you're going to listen to me. Yeah, yeah Andrew Tate stuff. We yeah, come on to we'll that talk about him. Yeah. But, uh, but you get some guys that really react, and you know that they're there, and they're forthright. But that is not most men. That no. is a very, very small percentage yeah. of the male population. Yeah. And most men are quiet, and they're, yeah. they're out there laying bricks, pulling cables, yeah. driving Ubers. Just pressing on. Pressing on, long hours. And then being told that they're, you know, scum, pedophiles, you're mm. the offenders, you're mm. violent. You're, mm. And they just they just go quiet, mm. didn't they? And so Peterson suddenly yeah. and others like him, for good or ill, are it is giving a voice to it. Yeah, and he, he is lamenting over the kind of state of masculinity amongst a wide range of men. And whether you disagree or agree, I think you have to appreciate him for what he's trying to do. You know, whether or not he, you know, he's passionate about it. Genuine. And he's very articulate and he knows what he's talking Usually about. Right. Very well researched. Mm. And what he does in particular, I mean, I've seen Christians moaning about him hugely, mm. like, and mm. Christian men moaning about him. Because, like, oh, he represents a false gospel. And I think just, just stop saying that. Actually, mm. listen to what's going on here. This is a guy who doesn't really respond emotionally when people are having a go at him. He, gets, yeah. he responds emotionally about his beliefs, but he uses empirical data, yeah. the science, very brutally. Yeah. This is the data. Yeah. This is the science. This is the research. Yeah. You are just coming out with me with your feelings yeah. on the matter. I'm giving you the data. Yeah. And he's very, very good on that. He I mean, is. He's extremely powerful because he he's so bright. Do you know, he's live shows. So some of the guys in my men's group went to one in London, mm. and he doesn't do any prep. No. He literally does a live uh -huh. Q&A and his wife travels with him and mm. she gets all the questions and she just gives them to him. And he just literally holds court for two hours. Mega brain. And they flock in their thousands. Mm. And majority men. That's what my mates were saying. It was just blokes. It was packed full of blokes. Yeah. Well, he, there are a few people out there now who are... Yeah. They've got the ears of the, the well, young men particularly. Well, this is the thing. And that's what I'm saying. If you, you either love his message or you hate it, you can't deny that there are an army of men listening to him. And that's important to and know. And why? Yeah. This thing, why are men listening to Jordan Peterson? For those who, for whatever reason, you know, have been on Mars and don't know who Jordan Peterson yeah. is, Jordan Peterson is a, a clinical psychologist who rose to fame challenging... Um, the use of pronouns in Canada when he was a lecturer, mm. professor in Canada, and mm. challenged, you know, the validity of 
having to use people's preferred pronouns and he, he kind of shot to fame and then you know I think thanks to TikTok and other mediums and Twitter just yeah you know um became a global voice really particularly to disaffected young men yeah and um uh a particular critique I think from the feminist movement mm. like the, the staunch feminist movement really went for him but he's his you know his videos on dismantling some ill thought through commentary are are viral. Yeah, yeah, you know, loads of millions of views. They're, they're interestingly, he doesn't repost or he, he's not because he was challenged on that, and he doesn't post it out. It's just an interview that he did. No, well, this is but the other people thing. jump on it. Well, I think it's yeah. I think it might be cleverer than that. Oh, really? You got a bottle open? Uh, I don't know. See, see if I can open it with my key. Yeah, go on. So what do you think's happening? Well, I think the same thing's happening with him as happens with Andrew Tate. And this is one of the phenomena... Good oh, skills. This is one of the phenomena of um, social media. Right. So I think what Andrew Tate... Now, for those who don't know who Andrew Tate is, he is the most searched for man... Is he really? ...on Google now. At the moment. Yeah. Can you open mine for us too, brother? Yeah, man. Send it over. Cheers. Um... And well, I mean, we'll go into history of who Andrew Tate is in a bit. Um, but this is the strategy. So he's the most searchable man and millions of views on TikTok. The reason that these guys are getting views, and I think if Andrew Tate's is deliberate, because he said, I conspired to take over TikTok. I developed a strategy and it worked. Wow. And the strategy is this. He has his own account. He says some diabolical things and does some diabolical things and does some good stuff, says some positive motivation, motivational stuff, not a lot of great stuff. No. The odd bit. And what he does, because he's got this massive following, if you create an account that says, Nathan Tate follower or Godfather Tate or Tate Wisdom, you put his name in it and hashtag him, he will... Not necessarily retweet that, but his gang will and his studio will. So he creates multiple, multiple strands of followers by people using his brand. The same as Peterson, Peterson wow. Wisdom, Peterson Gold Dust. And it all points back to the original. Mm. And if you use that, like, if I put a post up, so I put a post on Facebook, which is getting quite widely shared, but I didn't mention his name. But if I had mentioned his name and it was positive, it'd be it'd be retweeted by his manager mm. and by his agents. And I'm going to get loads more followers as a yeah, result. Yeah. So they avoid the kind of the trap of I'm constantly retweeting myself, but they have hundreds and hundreds of people using their name right. and sharing their video clips, and they don't pursue you for it. They welcome it. Mm. The same with um, a whole bunch of people out there. Like you see it with the Joe Rogan podcast, loads yeah. of people sharing clips. Copying all of his stuff on their yeah, own channel. and then you just tag it, or you say Rogan Gold Dusk <laughs> or Rogan Wisdom. He don't care because he's getting out. Of course, doesn't care, and they actually actively encourage it. They encourage oh. you to do that, and that's how you. So if we like created, if we were worth anything, the BT and Blackers, we say to people, go on, just go out there, share our stuff, mm. and we'll retweet you, and mm. you know the whole movement, the organisation, CVM will, and so Edgel. it's so it's access to other people's networks. Yes. Is where the growth happens. Yes. So I was talking to Dan Malda, but you know, wonderful. And he said exactly that. He said, you'll crack the algorithms of Facebook and other social platforms when when other people let you access their network. And that's essentially what Tate's done, isn't it? 
And yeah. I was, so they say outrageous things. Or they post a clip of yeah. the Bugatti. Yeah. Or this, that, and the other. I mean, I've seen one where Andrew Tate's walking into an airport which has had a room decked out as if it's his airport, and it's not. And they film it, and they spread it out all over the place, and people go, oh, look, here's Top G walking into his own private airport, and he won't challenge that. You've now got you've got millions of people yeah. watching your stuff, and it's not you wow. putting it out there. A bit like what we had with Chuck Norris before the social, so they'd be like when right. Alexander Graham Bell invented the phone. Yeah. He had a missed call from Chuck Norris. Yeah. I mean, it's a stupid thing, but it's yeah. it's a it's a. But then you think, well, why are people resharing it? What is it they're saying? Yeah. And it's anger yeah. and injustice, and people have felt, particularly men, that we'll we'll be attacked for saying this, but men have felt under the cosh. And people say, no, you've got white male privilege, or mm. you're but you're a man, and you've got you've got the world is at your feet because you're a man, mm. and we're like. Actually, that's not how men are feeding. There are less men going into education for a reason mm. you know, as educators. There are more boys are failing at school. More men for in prison. A reason. More men in prison. More men dying in gangs. More men committing suicide. More is boys who are child soldiers. It's, it's men who still predominantly are sent to die in a war. So how, and but, men who are doing 99% of the most menial, laborious, yeah. horrible jobs. And that's an interesting one. Like, I've had a chat with friends who are, you know, f- friends I love who are feminists. And I'm like, yeah, but the positions you argue for, when you talk about I want to be a... Why are there not so many women on boards of, mm. you know, blue-chip firms? Like, yeah, but why aren't you arguing... For that across the board of every occupation, why are you not asking for equality everywhere? You're only asking for equality in positions of power. Mm. Why that? And like, it's very, very few men get to the top, let alone women. There are reasons why women aren't mm. getting to those positions actually that are beyond ability and pay. Mm. Actually, mm. but I only argue for positions of power. And the men, the men are like, ah, oh, stuff this, mm. and so they're angry. So Andrew Tate comes up and says a load of misogynistic. Well, hateful that's the thing. stuff, yeah, hateful, yeah. misogyny. Because hmm. don't hear me wrong, I'm not arguing for no. that. I'm just saying this is the reality. So he te- steps into anger or Jordan Peterson starts speaking up for the, the blue-collar bloke. Yeah, yeah. So there's anger and there's lack of male identity. Yeah. And here's the thing about Andrew Tate, for those that don't know, he was a... An MMA fighter, wasn't he? Yeah, kickboxer. Kickboxer. Hmm. World champion? I don't he think says, so. He says he was. Really? Check it out. I think he says he was a world champion. <clears throat> he was a professional kickboxer. Businessman. Yeah, but I reckon he was a world champion. Really? At some point. Uh, let's have a look. Let's check that out. He ranked seventh. Best light heavyweight kickboxer in Britain. Gained his first championship when he won the British. Two times world champion. Okay. So, yeah. And not old, mid, mid-30s. mid But he didn't have much money. He was living in Luton with his brother. Mm. And the way they made their money, like, this is the thing, mate. Mm. The way he made his money, sex chats, webcams, sex cams. Not right. Yeah, and his brother Tristan is on record as saying, and it was a scam, it's a scam business. Mm. Like, we we coached the women to have sob stories 
And we've had men handing over 20,000, 40,000 pounds, and they're never going to meet them, never going to marry them. And we tap into their sob stories and we take, we take the biggest percentage. Wow. Cut of all that money. We're making 500,000 a month off webcams. Wow. He was kicked out of the big brother house in 2016 for film footage of beating a woman with a belt. Wow. Yeah. And now he's been arrested on this like, trafficking charges yeah, yeah. and forcing women to commit degraded yeah. acts and filming it. And that's been investigated. We don't know if he's guilty of that. But and mm. uh, bottom line is he made his money for pornography, sex scams, webcams, and the men are idolising him. And you've got people like Katie Hopkins speaking up, mostly positive for him, forgetting the fact that there was footage released of him beating up a woman with a belt and, and making money out of sex scams. Wow. So what has happened? Like, and they call him, oh, the Matrix, the Matrix is against him. All this terminology is about, well, government set upon him. He's, he's worth hundreds of millions, a couple of hundred million mm. probably. 36 years old. Yeah. A scam artist. Uh, all built on degrading women. All built on degrading women. And the men are, are listening to his every word and, and refuse to believe. He's a scumbag. Yeah. Because they're so angry. And what's happened is the, the pendulum swings too far in one direction. Mm. It gets violently forced in the other direction too far. And these, these guys, like, take, they, they're clever. Yeah. They're tapped into it. They tap into man, it and yeah. they get this massive audience. But that is not a true male identity. No. It's, a, it's an angry one that will yeah. take you nowhere. Yeah. I put a big post out about it didn't I, on Facebook. Yeah, and we need to explore this stuff, don't we? It is very interesting. And and I saw a stat the other day, it's loosely linked. These chatbots, you know, these sex chatbots. Oh. The, the statistic was something like most, if not all, are AI. Blokes are chatting to an AI. Really? Yeah. And they, don't, they think it's a woman. What's that one? On chat, on sex chat, you know, you oh. go on, but yeah, the AI has become so advanced now that they just automate it. Have you seen the open source stuff, the open AI stuff? No. So we tested it the other day here at the office. Al was, I was chatting with Al. He put in the parameters, uh, uh, open AI, write us a devotional, a Christian devotional based on the character, the Bible character Gideon. And it wrote a devotional. No. Yeah. And it spoke in a sing like in its self singular sense, like when I explored this, and if we open the Bible, where'd you go for that? You just Google it, open AI. So it's basically I might be wrong. I might be wrong, but Google have basically managed to get everything that's been said and written online, and it scans and generates what you've asked it to do from that archive. Try Chat GPT. Yeah. Right. But I got to sign up. But you could say. Thanks, you know, thanks for giving me that devotional, but I'd like it in the style of a 16th century poet or whatever, and it will rework it based on all the knowledge the internet has. So I saw someone doing one of these things on... Um, one of these TikToks about making residual income. Yeah. And someone said, we just go here, chat into this chat, GBT or whatever it's called, yeah. put in what you want, like, description of this video... Take this video of someone else's motivational speech as copyright free. Yep. Put the two things together. Get a viral description from the AI. Yep. And, and his video had gone viral. And yeah. he was earning him money. And he hadn't done anything. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Where's that going? Open AI. Scary, wow. Mate, it's scary. 
That is scary. Yeah. Imagine that open AI sermons. Yeah. I'd give a talk at a conference. Just Google it. And then you could do like um but but people don't know. And that's the thing. They think they're reading something that someone's lived out and it's completely mate, AI written. Mate, a few years ago when I was working for another organization. <laughs> Did you do an open AI sermon? No, no, no. This this person <clears throat> This guy had some sleepy church. I'm not going to give any details because it'll get me in yeah, trouble. of course. He basically had this sleepy church. He had a very underwhelming ministry, you know. Yeah. It weren't setting the world on fire. Then suddenly he starts preaching these sermons and people are like, wow, like this guy, what's yeah. happened to him? And yeah. people start coming to the church, like from the community, and then people start finding Christ. Wow, off the back of these talks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, like, it's just awesome, you know, and um, people start inviting their friends. And week by week, the church is massively growing. Wow. And then one day, he's sitting there, like, preaching this sermon. His wife's sitting there and his kids, and he goes, yeah, and, um, you know, after we left uh, New York, you know, we, we took a Cessna and... What? You know, we flew over to Long Island and blah blah, and his wife's sitting there going, "I don't think we've ever been to New York. I don't." What was he telling a no, story? That I don't happened? think I don't think we've ever been in the Cessna. I don't think we can fly. <laughs> oh, you're joking! No, and basically, he was ripping off these American hot mega preachers' oh, sermons, wow. and I got so carried away with it, he'd lost his filters, mate. Did he? Did he just get caught out? Then he didn't realize. No, what he, he was started reading. to believe himself. He started to believe oh, that everyone right. loved his sermons. Now idolizing him, but actually, he was ripping off like Steve Ferguson. Yeah, but or yeah, but to be reading out a story that you didn't experience. Yeah, because you. This is the heart is deceitful above all else, right? So, he, you wow. just start to believe your own propaganda. This happened. Mate, we're, like we've come across a couple of fraudulent preachers, haven't we? Yeah. Fake testimonies over the yeah, years, yeah, like. Yeah. And they actually start to believe it. Like when you sit down and talk to them, they're looking at you like they believe it. Like we were watching that uh TikTok earlier, What's weren't his we? Name? Randy, Randy Kramer. Kramer. He starts describing his he was like special forces star ops. Extraterrestrial. Fighting extraterrestrials. Yeah. His favourite ones were look like groomed dogs that yeah. spoke with like a like a war. But with absolute certainty, Absolute it certainty. Because just make you mad. And that's the thing. That's the thing. Like, people like Andrew Tate, and everyone starts idolising you, you start becoming more and more and more outrageous. Yeah. You start to believe that you're untouchable. Mate. And it just takes you down a path that you should just not be down. Like, yeah. Your sin, for of an old-fashioned word, yeah. will take you to places you don't want to go. Definitely yeah. right in the volumes, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd just like to monitor as we're going Yeah, you're like them techie boys, isn't it? Like, you can't set it and leave it. Well, it, it's because sometimes you're, you get a little bit louder. Do I? Yeah. Is that my fault? No, I'm just saying sometimes you might get a little bit louder. And if, if you're front onto the mic like this... I knew you were going to blame silky me. silky smooth, like... beautiful... Oh, it's lovely crunching. Mm. Um, yeah. So these guys, unless your life is in the grip of something higher, more noble, I mean, you're not living for yourself. Yeah. The self-gratification. And Rogan says something, didn't he, as well, Joe Rogan, keep people around you that are smarter than you, that speak into your life, that see things differently to you and... 
I think that's important because otherwise you start to surround yourself with the same people that yeah. say the say the things you want to hear. They don't challenge your attitudes or behaviours. And well, that's a that's a very interesting. That's a very interesting issue as a, a Christian in the Protestant world. Yeah. Evangelical world. Because the evangelical framework. Mm. How do I put this? <laughs> it stops you from wanting to or being able to entertain anything outside of that closed circuit worldview. Mm. The meta narrative has been set. Mm. This is what we believe. And anything that could threaten that narrative, yeah. you're like a backslider, a heretic. Yeah. A, yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Is that position management? Is that because if you because you got a if you're in that sort of bubble, there's a certain amount of work you have to do to keep on that platform in that bubble. Well, or you get discredited. Right. So mm. um like the Pentagon released all this footage of UAPs or UFOs, right? Yeah. It, all this stuff shooting across the sea. I've shown you them. Right? Yeah. Right. We can't really talk about that, can we? Why not? No, but what if we started talking about it and we suggested that there, were, there was alien life? We, we would probably lose people. Yeah, exactly. But so what? <laughs> what about Loch Ness Monster, Sasquatch? <laughs> All of that. But, but this is what the about problem. spacemen land and building the pyramids? Yeah, but this is the problem. Certain things feel taboo and you're not allowed to talk about it. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm that's but my it point. It can't be that way. Well, it should because then be we relevant. lose our sense of wonder yeah. or doing new things. And and realism that we're just ordinary blokes talking stuff through. Like as soon as we start making stuff off limits, because we're Christians. Oh, pardon me. I think I'm, we're well, in I'm not saying that we do. I'm saying no, no. that the church. Yeah. 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 And there's a there's a big pressure around you, isn't there? Yeah. As a church leader or evangelical or Christian to say, well, this is. You know, I determined to have nothing else except. Christ and crucified, which is, would be our position. But yeah. you've got to be able to discuss things yeah. and, you know, adventure a little bit in conversation. Like yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. you? Well, this is what I mean, we want to do with this, isn't it? Well, let's get people in and talk about this stuff. We just debate. Yeah, we're going to do that. We're going to get some guests in this year. It's going to be good. Yeah. We, yeah. Anyway, talking about this masculinity thing, let's yeah. talk a bit about male identity because that really, yeah. I find that a fascinating thing. We have to say, don't we, that there's a... Um, a broad spectrum of absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Like there is no one top way of, of being a man. Even with that said, yeah, I did a lecture. I won't mention the Bible College. Oh, go on. They can't do this year, last year. And I was very honest about my life, my journey, yeah, my own sort of understanding of masculinity for me, mm -hmm. the things I like, things I don't like, the kind mm -hmm. of man I am, and and. I would like to think anyone who hears that would think that's not some masculine, like testosterone filled alpha. That's a bloke who's trying to explore a full spectrum of what masculinity is. Oh. On the comments, one bloke wrote, well, one person wrote, well, I don't know if it's a bloke or not. Uh, I can't take any more of this hyper masculinity. <laughs> and I'm thinking, like, what? Just because I was saying, like, what about the guys who are off the church radar, the plumbers, the electricians, the builders, who won't step right. foot in the church, who 
who, who have somehow missed the message of Christ because of what we're presenting right. as church. And I got shot down in flames because I was hyper-masculine. And it's like, I, I don't get where you're coming from. So even though, you know, what we're saying is we, we're trying to present a broad spectrum, there will be people who go, oh, CVM, hyper-masculine. Well, it's oh. when people used to say to me, they said, God, she tore around the country for 20 years doing this stuff, and people would say, oh, so you talk about having bonfires and blowing things up and shooting clay pigeons. And yeah. What about the men who like Radio 4 and... Poetry and mm. or like a quiet life. And I said, we well, got the church. Who <laughs> <laughs> already caters for that? Yeah, you're already you're, sorted, mate. You're sorted. Like you've got your your safe place. Yeah. But where's the safe harbour for the blokes? Where that's that's where they're at. Yeah. That's yeah. where they're at. Yeah. No, what's and, wrong with that? No, nothing. And unashamedly, we are that voice. I think, yeah, and we want to be more I'll of tell that. You a phrase. I absolutely hate. It winds me up. It's toxic masculinity. Yeah. I, I just, it's such an unhelpful phrase. Yeah. Like, as soon as you hear it, you, men are like, what is toxic about me? Why am I, I just, I just like football. Yeah. And of course, toxic masculinity, they're trying to describe something else, but it's mm. so very unhelpful mm. for, you know, uh, men who are already on the back foot and already feeling defensive about their position. Yeah. You yeah. don't hear toxic femininity. Ever interesting? Why not? Yeah, because there must be there must be that too. Yeah, yeah. Only human, both ends of the spectrum. Women are aggressive in their own way. Yeah. So that's a very, 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 very strange thing. I think I was picked on actually by a girl, Louise. I won't say her surname in case she's listening. At senior school, she made me. It was a terrible experience. Right. She was so aggressive and so. Yeah, horrible. Well, Peterson says it, doesn't he? He said that men tend to lash out with their fists because like, we have testosterone. I didn't fight back in any way. No, we just have took muscle, it. we grow bigger muscles, yeah. our voices drop lower. Women tend to uh, be aggressive with gossip and character assassination. That's what she was like. Yeah, right. turned everyone. I worked I worked as well, mate, once in a... And that's the data saying that, by the way. Yeah, that yeah, was all yeah, the yeah, research. No. That's not us. Well, just... I'll back it up with some experience. I was working in a care home in the kitchen... And I was wash dishwasher. And I used to take some food round to people, to pay patients and that. And I'd chat to the nurses and just be friendly. How old are you? I was about 18. Okay. You know, in between college and stuff. And this one carer, she took a dislike to me for no reason whatsoever. And she turned about eight of them against me. And it was the most hostile experience. Horrible. Horrible. And I was like, and I actually said to her, what have I done to you? And she couldn't give me an answer. I was like, I've done nothing to you. Why are you doing this? She could not give me an answer. No. And I just had to leave it. It was like, well, yeah. I ended up leaving the job. <coughs> but the phrase toxic masculinity would be banded around a lot. And I, I feel like we need to speak up about this stuff because, mm. you know, with the, the stats showing that mental health is crushing men and depression mm. and suicide stats, you don't need to hear that their behaviour is toxic. Mm. You just need to show people a higher way because mm. you don't hear it about anything else. Yeah. You don't hear that word used in any yeah. other capacity. And I have mentioned this a lot on social media. Yeah, yeah. And it's not the first time I've ever said that. Mm. So what happens is as men as men get on the defensive or on the back foot and someone stands up is on the front foot Yeah, and even if they're corrupt and it gives people a chance to vent or stand on their shoulders, they will... And that's been the danger yeah. of the extreme attack on men. Yeah. That's, that, 
that attack on masculinity has caused this. Then, of course, you've got the nuts characters. You were talking about the Liver King. Well, let's, let's talk about Liver King. So, Brian Johnson. Brian Johnson. If you don't know about him, he was a wealthy, wealthy sort of businessman type guy. And then he became a mega wealthy influencer. Was he already a wealthy businessman? Wasn't he? He, he had money. Yeah, he had money. I don't know what he did beforehand, but he basically got into his 40s and there was an email revealed, right? So there's a bloke called Derek, I think he's saying Lewis, and he, he's, a, he's got a podcast, more, more plates, more dates. And he's a this massive <laughs> steroid user, proper bodybuilder, but he's ultra bright and he looks into a lot of the sort of science behind steroids and steroid use and abuse. Anyway, Derek had intercepted this email that was from Brian to an undisclosed recipient. And and in it, Brian was basically saying, I'm in, I'm in my 40s, I'm working out, but I'm not getting the gains I need. I'm not getting the shape and whatever. And he, he went on a 12 grand a month cycle of steroids. Hey, Brian Johnson? Yeah, Liver King. Wow. So the issue is, up. Liver King basically is huge. But he fully denied all the way. He said, I don't use steroids. This is all natural. And I do it through this kind of ancient oh, yeah, the, um, eating thing. The ancestral lifestyle. Ancestral lifestyle. So is, let me read this. This is from The Telegraph when it all broke. The influencer has repeatedly denied in interviews that he used steroids, <laughs> saying he stays away from that stuff while amassing a massive following as well as a multi-million dollar empire. He, in, he instead attributed his physical and financial success to his liver-eating lifestyle, <laughs> billed to the millions who subscribe to his beliefs as ancestral living. And then he decided a few months ago to come out apologising to his fans for his years of deceit as he tried to explain that he had self-esteem issues. So basically... We've got this unravelling of the Liver King. Johnson then started talking about why he created the Liver King persona, calling it an experiment to spread the message and to bring awareness to the 4,000 people a day who kill themselves, the 80,000 people a day that try to kill themselves. Do you think themselves. that's true? No. So I don't think it is, mate. I think he was softening the, the confession. Let this way. Johnson preaches his nine ancestral tenets. Yeah. Sleep, eat, move, she'll connect, cold, sun, fight, bond. Sleep, yeah. eat, move, she'll connect, cold, sun, fight, bond. That's like... That's like <coughs> dive, dive, dodge. <laughs> if you can dodge a wrench, <laughs> you can dodge a ball. Yeah. Dive, dive, dodge, we've dodged. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what it is, mate. It's like, yeah, it's dodgeball. So he says it. our people are... Our people are hurting at record rates with depression, autoimmune issues, anxiety, He's... infertility... Low ambition in life, he says, claiming our young men are hurting the most, feeling lost, weak and submissive. He says he's apologised for his pharmacological intervention. <laughs> so he's basically, he's basically deceiving a whole generation of young men who were looking at him and saying, if I want to get anywhere in my life, I need to look like the liver king and I need to subscribe to his eating plans, his diet, his, his um, what are they called? He's just on loads of trend, isn't he? Mate, he's, yeah, he's massive. Look at his build. Yeah. <coughs> I don't touch the stuff. Yeah. And he's grateful to Joe Rogan for bringing me into his ecosystem. He'd love to go on the podcast. He's begging he's to go on Joe Yeah, Rogan. he's desperate. desperate. Wow. Yeah. 
So, during an April episode of his podcast, podcast, Rogan dismissed the Liver King's claims about the supremacy of liver as a gimmick, saying yeah. he's got an ass filled with steroids. Yeah. That's what this guy's got. Yeah. And he called him out a long time ago. But but just the fact... But it's obvious. It's obvious. There were some videos yeah. I saw of uh, the Liver King about eight months ago where people go up to him and they say, hey, how's the trend going? Yeah. You know, referring to the steroids. Because yeah. they could just see it. Yeah. Loads of these blokes are on it. Uh, but but what's interesting is that they're presenting this healthy lifestyle when, in fact, it's the opposite. And why is it getting such a grip? Well, it's because the young, men, thing. young, young men. men are looking and saying, I will be everything I can be when I look the strongest, when I've got the body that will attract. And when and I don't care dominate. what people yeah, think, yeah, when I'm yeah. bold and I'm yeah. brash. Yeah. And, and I've I'm, got the you know, confidence because I look like this. Yeah. So, no, Andrew Tate. Like, there's so many little video clips of him saying, oh, you know, who wants to work a nine-to-five job doing someone else's work? And thinking, you employ loads of people, mate. Yeah. Like, you're just... You're yeah, just stepping on everyone. Yeah, you've just even stepped down and degraded the Your people that are working for you. Yeah, exactly, mate. And people go, yeah, I want to be that, I want to be that, I want to be the person with all the money. Yeah. It's yeah, just it's greed. It's just evil, really. Yeah. But, but young men are looking evil. up. They're looking up to these guys, and that's what's scary because they, TikTok's... So I, I'm on and off TikTok, don't use it much, but for my music, I want to try and get... But anyway, whenever I go on, it's always muscles, money, cars, women. Yeah, I think I said to you um, some time ago that I found it quite... Even though I've been trying to use it, I, found, I find it quite... Depressing. It's oppressive, I think. It's oppressive of what's natural in us or what's yeah. What's beautiful and innocent in human life. I think this stuff, it suppresses, it strips that out. Yeah. It it, it taints it. It, it. And you you can feel it. The longer you're off this stuff, and when you go back, you go, oh, my word, I don't want to look at this. And you're just a torrent. Again, what is driving this what why put these bizarre videos you put on and some sadistic stuff too and people really buying into yeah. this shallow yeah. lifestyle that you know it's got no meaning to it i mean i this is not a self promoting thing this is just what i put <laughs> let me check my tiktok yeah, this is what i put the other day um talking about this don't define what it is to be a successful man of guy driven by narcissism, manipulation, exploitation, extreme opulence, wealth created from porn, sex cans, misogyny, violence against women, masculinity, sacrifice, honour, truth, humility, service, compassion, mm. and so much more. Living for something beyond your own selfish desires. Live for something beyond your own selfish desires and you will find an inexplicable peace and fulfilment. When you self-actualise by living for something more than you, mm. that's when you find peace and joy. Mm. This other stuff of I want a Bugatti, I want all the stuff, mm. I want the latest Rolex, I want this, I want this big house. Like, they'll just take you down a road of dissatisfaction. Yeah. The law of diminishing returns. Yeah, and it's it it's dirty actually. Mm. It just mm. his life and these guys' lives, it just feel yeah. sleazy. Yeah. It's not clean. Do you know nah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, but but this is the this is the voice going out to young people, young men. Interestingly, mate. Um, before we came online, you're talking about how do we know that you are a man? Mm. 
that I think is a really, really key issue, which mm. I think we could do a whole podcast on. You know, initiation when and am I a man? Mask, you know, rites of passage. And I just uh, it was literally about an hour ago, two hours ago, I thought, oh yeah, I remember reading this thing as a kid. Mm. I must have read this when I was about 12, and it suddenly flicked back in my brain mm. while we were in the office. And I put in phonetically Oki Pa, because there was a, I thought it was the Oki Pa tribe, but it wasn't. That's just what I remembered. Yeah. It was the Mandan tribe. And I've just found it. I found it online. They used to have this uh, Oki Pa ceremony. Right. For young tribesmen before they became a man. Wow. Like, this is like, this is how you become a man. Yeah. So this is going way back. It's like native Indian tribe yep. in what is now North Dakota. Um, how about, let me read this. Uh, it's off the wiki page, but this, obviously I didn't have Wikipedia when I was a kid, but it's almost <laughs> exactly the same thing. The Yoki Pass ceremony was a major part of Mandan religious life. Um, it was first recorded by a man called George Catlin, who volunteered to... Uh, become a Oki Pa warrior. The preparations took a year, and there were days of events when crowds were hosted. The ceremony opened a bison dance to call the buffalo to the people. It was followed by a variety of torturous ordeals through which warriors, potential warriors, proved their physical courage and gained the approval of the spirits. Mm. The Oki Pa began with the young men not eating, drinking, or sleeping for four days. Wow. Then they were led to a hut where they had to sit with smiling faces while the skin of their chest and shoulders was slit and wooden skewers were thrust behind the muscles. Yeah. With the skewers tied to ropes and supporting the weight of their bodies, the warriors would be suspended from the roof of the lodge and they would hang there until they fainted. To add agony, heavy weights or buffalo skulls were added to the initiate's legs. After fainting, the warriors would be pulled down and the men, women were not allowed to attend this ceremony, would watch them until they awoke proving the spirit's approval if they lived. Upon awakening, the warriors would offer the left little finger to the great spirit, whereupon a masked tribesman, tribesman would sever it with a hatchet blow. Finally, participants were to endure a grueling race around the village called the last race until the thongs tied to the buffalo skulls ripped out of their skin. Those finishing the ceremony were seen as being honoured by the spirits, those completing the ceremony twice would gain everlasting fame among the tribe. Chief Forebears, or Matotape, completed this ceremony twice. The last Oki Pass ceremony was performed in 1889, but was resurrected in a somewhat different form in 1983. Right. It was last seen in a film, 1970 film, A Man Called Holstein, Richard Harris. Wow, man. So, like, you go through that, you're a man. You're a warrior. <coughs> yeah. Get your little finger chopped off, get your skin ripped out, hang hang from the ceiling after not eating and sleeping for four days and you're a man. Wow. But they knew they were a man. Yeah. They knew they were a man. Imagine failing. <laughs> not a man. Well, you're not. And the whole community will know you're not a man. So there's an awful amount of pressure there to actually... It's huge, mate. But... Which is quite a sadistic route into oh, manners. I mean, we don't, so we're not advertising. We're not ever, but, <laughs> but what it does say is that even in these ancient tribes... There was awareness uh, of the need, need for You need to make this boy a man. Yeah, yeah. Very and interesting. And we have nothing like that. We have no... Like, the Jews have got the bar mitzvah, you know, but we have yeah. nothing. So you've got these gangs, yeah. they know, gangs know. 
They initiate you into Initiation, a gang, right? Yeah. Or they blood you. Yeah. The fox hunters, they know. They blood you with your first kill. Right? The mafia knew, didn't they? Make you a made man. Make you a made man. The, the British army know, the regimental system. Yeah. Right? There's traditions, like, and you join the army and you pass out a basic training, you get your beret for your regiment. Or yeah, get your wings. Power, you get your wings, like. Yeah. We instinctively know, but in general society, we don't. We don't practice it. We know we need some rite of passage, but we don't practice Very it. Very interesting. And for girls, so I'm a dad of girls and boys. Right. A boy. And... I wonder if the biological markers are stronger, perhaps, for girls. Maybe. With things like menstruation, your body is telling you you Maybe are our voices drop, but some more than others, right? Maybe, yeah. Yeah, women start their period, the great breasts, yeah, all that kind of stuff. I guess boys get taller, stronger, voice changes. So there yeah, are biological no markers moment, for both. But there's no moment. That's interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. And I, I, you know, I've often wondered this with, you know, we're, we're men of God, we, we follow Christ. Baptism is obviously yeah. a powerful rite of passage. Yeah. But I also think, you know, bands of brothers who covenant together yeah. is a powerful thing. I've often wondered this around the sobriety thing because I don't know if you've found this, but obviously I'm quite vocal about being mm. sober. And when you meet someone else who's sober, like there's, there's feels like this instant connection. Like, oh, you crossed that line too. You've right. seen this and you've, mm. you've gone sober, whether you're alcoholic or not. Like, mm-hmm. you've chosen this yeah. path. And it feels like a closeness. Yeah. Like there's an instant connection. I think we need something around that, around Christian men, bands of brothers, you know, people who follow the code, the Exxon one of the code or yeah. whatever. It's interesting, know. mate, because there's definitely a, a, a lack of that initiation or that rites of passage. I mean, we are, I haven't looked recently, but the stats in the UK a few years ago, there were two million fatherless homes. And that number went up like 20,000 a year or something. I mean, it was. Yeah, it's so a big we've thing. We've got an increasing gap of dads in homes being willing to stick around and model this stuff or at least have the conversations. I dug out some. Um some stats the other day, and I was, you know, just yeah. thinking around all this. Boys, this is just statistics, that boys are failing dismally in school compared to girls. Aye. And they're just saying, basically, girls' brains, women's brains are just, they're smarter, faster. That's right. just a fact. But the education system is failing boys. So boys are coming out of school feeling like they're failures. Less men are now going into you know, academic pursuits. Mm. It's actually... Uh, more women are deaconed in a CV now than men. That is in 2019 wow. for the first time. It's massively mm-hmm. overtaking. Yeah, yeah. More women going into medicine, veterinary, educational work, um, academic work. Is that all working all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, um, I think it's really interesting. Yeah. So this this stuff, it goes way back. Like mm. it, There's just a lot going on here. And then there's no real clear male identity. So you're failing at school, failing in the workplace. Being told you're toxic, people step into the gap like the Tates, the Petersons, mm. Mm. swing the pendulum too far the other way. But what we could do if is some balanced view on this. There's some kind of mm. this. This will make you a man, my son. Yeah, you're a man now. Yeah, and that's okay to talk like that because we're very frightened now as well in society. Aren't we to actually say what is a man, what is yeah. a woman? That's yeah, yeah. 
Anyway, it's, there's a, a lot of factors, isn't there? That's I mean, it's it is under crisis. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I guess for me, it was like when I learned to drive. Maybe I started to feel like I had some independence from the home, and that's sort of a marker of being a man, maybe. Or whether you, when you start earning and paying your way a bit, I mean, they're they're sort of casual markers, perhaps that we have here. But women do that too now. Yeah. We both need jobs, don't yeah. we? But it's is there anything unique. that's distinctively male? I don't male? think so. Because back then you had the warriors, didn't you? Yeah. By me, I think if we don't get to grips with this in some way as a society, then evil persists. Yeah. And corrupt views of this persist. Yeah. And, you know, man has the capacity to be very evil and cruel. Yeah. So I was reading the other day, mate, um, possibly totally unrelated. Mm. But, you know, in, um, in Namibia, in Africa... Up until the mid 1800s, mm. it might have been mid to late 1800s, they used to issue hunting licenses um, for you to shoot a bushman. Really? Yeah. That's how cruel we can get. I'll add it. I'll click. Hold on. Let me find this look. Here we go. Yeah. The barbaric practice where hunters could apply for a license to shoot a male and a female bushman was legal in 1937 in Namibia until 1937. The la- in 1936, the last permit to hunt in Namibia was issued by the government of South Africa. Wow. That's, how, that's what happens if, if there's no constraint. How mad is that? Yeah. We were hunting human beings under license. You get a license In for it. 1937 in Namibia. Wow. Mate. Evil can take over, can't it, mate? Yeah. Like, like you... Why is no one talking about that? Mm. When I first came across it, I thought, no, that's one of those internet. No, I looked out, it's true. Hunting people. We were hunting people Mm. with a license. Wow. There's ultimate power and control and and sadistic kind of evil. Mm. So something that says, no, we're noble, honourable, self-sacrificial, obviously that's the message of Christ, right? That's the cross. But something in society that teaches a higher way. Yeah. It's interesting this, mate, because a lot of my understanding growing up of being a Christian was around the shepherd mentality. So it's But no warrior. Gentle yeah, no warrior. So gentle, kind, meek, listen, yeah. well behaved, well mannered, quiet, gentle you know, all of those. The poets and gentle, the shepherds. Yeah, gentle thing. A warrior. All the images of Jesus with mate, lamb and a warrior, something else. David. So I'm reading this book, Empire of the Summer Moon. Oh, that sounds good. Mate. I'm, I'm not saying by it, but it's very historical. It's about Native Indians and their ongoing war and conflict in sort of the 1800s wow. with the uh, Western settlers. Is it called again? Say again. Empire of the Summer Moon. That's okay. Mate, this book, if you're squeamish, don't, don't look at it. I know you're not. But oh, I was going to make a note, mate, as soon as you said that. Graphic. Is it? Uh, yeah, basically the barbarism on both sides is is truly chilling. It really is. Um, the the capacity of human evil actually oh, is stunning. I was reading the other day about in a choice in I was reading about the Japanese uh, experimental camps, yeah. so Unit Seven Three One. Yeah. I mean, they were doing vivisection on people, live people. Yeah, yeah. Oh mate, yep. So yeah. 
But this, mate, it, the reason I'm saying it, it depicts this warrior. So it basically follows the Comanches right. historically and, and they sort of went round basically culling everything and everyone. Mm. They were just warriors. But loads of things happened in their sort of timeline that meant they were the dominant kind of native Indian tribe. Yeah. And then there was these other ones, uh, Quaddies. Quaddies were even worse. They were like absolute. They, they, they would chase the Comanches, you know, they were the, the top of the tree. But it, it gave this picture of this native Indian uh, and it follows his story and he was actually, his dad was a, a native Indian and his mum called Cynthia Parker was a, a young girl who was kidnapped by a raiding party um, who obviously uh, she was given to the chief um, and it, that was his mum. So he was a mixed uh, sort of Indian race um, and he rose up to be one of their main uh, leaders. But there's a story of him in war and in battle and he turns up with black face paint, no nothing on his top half, just sort of leather trousers. He had a bear claw necklace <laughs> and he had a war bonnet made of eagle feathers. Wow. You know, and he's got this bow and arrow made of sinew, he's ox warrior. sinew, absolute yeah. warrior. You know, and bells rattled as he rode as he rode yeah. along, like just Terror. a monster. Yeah. And and the thing that was interesting, in the sixteen hundreds, when the Spanish went over. They took their Mustangs and all their horses, but more than that, they took their horse culture. And the Comanches learnt from the Spanish horse culture. So they suddenly realised, we can tame a horse, we can breed horses, right. we, can, we can do this. And they weaponized horseback. Is that right? And the Comanches became almost the only mounted Indian raiding party. Yeah. So suddenly, yeah, because a lot of Indians, they were on foot. Suddenly, you've got these guys that can Not ride horses, on bear, but like, holding the mane, steaming into battle, and they yeah. can shoot their bows and arrows off horseback. Yeah, right. And no one was ready for it, and they dominated. So have, you ever, mate, have you seen Yellowstone? Uh, I probably with Kevin, have. No, yeah, with Kevin Costner, the series, the new series. Oh, oh no, 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 mate, modern day western. Oh, it's new, mate, is it? Yeah, mate. You've got to watch Yellowstone. What's it on Apple TV? It's on Paramount. Fine. We have oh, to okay. pay for it. We can get a seven-day okay. free trial and binge no, it, I've not mate. seen it. We can get a seven-day trial and binge it, bro. Wow. Anyway, like, talking about um, those native yeah, Indians, yeah. I just dialed up while you were talking there um, about the Vikings. I thought, I remember something about the Vikings here. Yeah. Like, everyone thinks the Vikings were like, yeah. they were all like warrior barbaric, but when they were warrior shepherds. Right. So it says here, while the, this is on the some... Visit Sweden website. He said, while the more barbaric Viking stories are out there about greed, violence and cruelty, and they dominate, uh, actually reality is Vikings, their peaceful farmer-style lives close to nature mm. with women at the fore. Viking age women took charge of farms while the men went seafaring unless they chose to join them as shield maidens. Wow. They also had more rights than other women at the time, free to divorce their husbands. Mm. They grew crops, kept animals, they were inventive craft focus, were silversmiths, enjoyed creating and making jewellery and ornaments of silver, gold and metals, highly resourceful. They traded in honey and wheat and wool, wood, iron, leather, mm. fish. Blah, and they were fair. They had sets of scales they used to pull out to avoid overpaying or underpaying. Creative in spirit, like loads of music and armings and amulets. Mm. They were, so they were these like incredible seafaring people who just strike out, land on the coast of Northumberland, raid a village and go all that way back, navigating by the stars, but they wrote songs and poetry and, you know, and tended to their kids yeah. and 
were peaceful farmers mm. the rest of the time. Like it's really interesting, interesting. That, that the blend, the blend of both, and they had a, an egalitarian society. Yeah. it seems like. See that sort of stuff develops around this this whole farming, or or what's the artistic sort of communities? They would be quite location based. Yeah, this is what I'm reading in this book where the Indian tribes. They were some of these guys, especially the Comanches, were largely nomadic. So they would just constantly right, be moving, move. constantly on the move. Like Abraham. And this caught the Americans off guard because their their nomadic range was about eight hundred miles. Right. Bear in mind this is like late seventeen hundreds, early eighteen hundreds. On horseback and they're moving everything. And their attack like range that. mate, their attack range was four hundred miles. I I love the idea of being on the move. Do you? Yeah, I, I get fidgety, mate. Like two years in a place, a house, I'm like, oh. Mm. Just, I like the idea of just being a rolling stone, don't you? No, no I you do. probably like. No, no, I do. Travel light. Yeah, travel light, man. I, I, I don't like owning mm. things. Mm. I, I love the idea of just being free. But you can't do it anymore. You just, Not, yeah, maybe. Well, that's being a gypsy now, isn't it? It's being a traveling man. Yeah. But, but I, I just love the idea of kind of... Mate, where's you, Beachy? He's on a, a flip phone van. somewhere. You need a camper van. Yeah. It sounds like you need to do that six months of the year, three months of the year, got and then the job, rest... job, though, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Got responsibilities. Yeah. Imagine, I'm almost... The kid's almost off the payroll. Really? Yeah, and he's nearly finished vet school. How old, Danny? She's uh, born in 2000. She's 23 this year. Oh, mate. Uh, Emily's uh, <laughs> born in 98, so... Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, I'm nearly done. I mean, that's been expensive getting a daughter through vet school. Mm. <laughs> that's what you do, isn't it? Yeah, that's what you've got to do. Just get them through. Yeah. I'll have to sort her out with a car next. Yeah. Set her up. Oh, she's got a car, which gets moaning about it. <laughs> Mate, yeah, it's um, a lot of cost. A lot of cost. Nomadic lifestyle. I think, no, but I think you can go a long way towards it. You live lightly, you light touch, a light, a light print on the ground. You know what I mean? You're not... I like going to countries like India when I go to Africa and yeah. places. You, know, you just feel like you can do anything you want. Yeah, there's space. There's space, but also there's less constraint yeah. and law around you. And I think a lot of men, not all men, but like, we're a bit wild, aren't we? So yeah. this, what you were saying, this portrayal of Christianity is like the shepherd. Shepherd the warrior, yeah. Shepherd. But, mate, but some of us, we're not just shepherds, are we? We're, it's not enough. No. And so, so we live with this sort of kind of dissatisfaction. Like you have to we do. drive your car between white lines, you know, and can only park in certain places and pay for it. And yep. You can't jump on your horse and just stampede yep. across the field. Yeah. So I was watching Yellowstone, like these modern-day cowboys in Montana. Yeah. Like he owns a ranch. It's a fic- fiction, but it's based on, you know, how people are living their lives. So he yeah. owns a ranch. It's like the size of Leicestershire and a bit of Derbyshire. Wow. It's it's just unspeakably huge. I yeah. head one helicopter to get around on a load of horses. Yeah, it take days, you know, to get to one side. <laughs> but uh, they live their lives out in the wild plains of Montana, just herding cattle and yeah. pursuing them. And and these cowboys, the wranglers, they call them, live in these bunk houses. It's how it all still happens today. Wranglers. Yeah, and I'm like, your life is so free. Like I get up, like everything's constrained. <sighs> It's all measured out, managed yeah. and portioned. You can't even and get a shopping trolley without putting a token it's in It's very it. safe and sanitised, the life 
that yeah. we've lived. Yeah, it is. It is in England generally, I think, in the West. Yeah, and so very... partly I think I just... Wow. And then if you start, like we were talking about, you want to be a man. So yeah. Like, we're just ignorant then. Well, Jordan Peterson says this thing, doesn't he? And we've got this quote here. Um, he talks about everyone needs to be, or every man he's talking about, needs to be dangerous but under control, this sort of idea. Well, he says become a monster and then tame it. Yeah. Because otherwise, I think what he's saying is, we've been saying this for 28 years at CVM, we have six times more testosterone than women. Mm. And you've got to learn to harness it. For good and not ill. We've been saying this for years. We've said this way before Peterson was saying it. Mm. We've got talks going back years. But you've got to learn to harness it and so use it for good. Where's the monster for a Christian man? Methodism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it feels like the Christian message sort of neuters that out of a man. You can't be the monster. You've got to be the shepherd. You can't be a warrior that wants to smack someone with a tomahawk. You've got to be a shepherd. You've got to stroke someone, love someone, be gentle and kind. And... Paul was pretty straight. Yeah. He was a straight shooter. Yeah. We exercise power differently. Yeah. Sacrifice. And... There's a quote, <clears throat> Miyamoto Mushashi, who shortly before his death, the undefeated swordsman, retreated to a cave to live as a hermit. There he wrote five scrolls describing the true principles required required for victory in the martial arts and on the battlefield. Mm. Instead of relying on religion and, or theory, Mushashi based his writings on his own experience, observation and reasons. Reason, and he said, know your enemy and know his sword. That's one of the, one of the tenets... We shouldn't be talking about Bushido that much, really, being Christians, but <laughs> the seven rules of righteousness, loyalty, honour, respect, honesty, courage and consistency. Mm. Yeah, the codes of Bushido, the wow. samurai code. Wow. What are the three codes of behaviour? What's this uh, for the samurai? What does it say? <clears throat> Can't click on it. Where is that famous samurai? Oh. Uh, now we have to have a look. Famous samurai. Oh, it might have been. Uh, let me just look at this dude. That rings a bell. Things you put famous samurai in, you get loads. What was he famous for? The sword saint of Japan. Hmm. He's a Japanese swordsman, philosopher, strategist, writer, and ronin. He became renowned. This is Miyamoto Musashi. The stories of his unique double-bladed swordsmanship and undefeated record of 61 duels. He was a Kensai. Yeah. Wow. Know your enemy and know his sword. Mm-hmm. I like that. And there's some, surely there's some Christian parallels there. We need to know our enemy and know his tactics, know his strengths. Right, there's all sorts of like mad descriptions in here of his battles yeah. in Wikipedia. Wow. He had a companion sword. He had a large sword and a companion sword. He was an expert in throwing weapons, shuriken methods. Ninja stars. Yeah, but he was also... And an accomplished artist, sculptor, and calligrapher. Mm. And he had architectural skills. 
He made various Zen brush paintings, calligraphy and sculpted wood and metal. And it, he emphasised that samurai should understand other professions as well. Yeah. It should be understood that Mishashi's writings are very ambiguous, translated into English, made them even more so. But he, but he wrote... Yeah, he wrote on calligraphy, sculpture, yeah. artistry, poetry. This guy is insane. It's yeah. basically, and then he was like a, a combat guru mm. and an architect. Mm. Balance, mate. That's it, isn't it? Mm. He, could, he, was, he was like a polymath. He could do anything. Yeah. You can win with a long weapon, and yet you can also win with a short there weapon. You go. In short, the way of the itchy score is the spirit of winning. Whatever the weapon, whatever its size, mate, you'll win. Do you know the the distance to critically wound a human heart is half the length of your thumb? Go on. That's it. So that much into your chest there, tip will pierce your heart. Wow. That's useful to know. Ain't a lot. Not a lot. And this is why, sadly, you often see, like, someone die well, from one stab wound, and it's only got to be. <laughs> yeah. Mate, fighting in Western society, what a mug's game. I mean, look, yeah. this is the thing about men as well. When the blood's up, particularly if you've had a pint or two and yep. someone challenges you, yep. just walk away. And some, some away, listeners man. will say, it ain't like that. Then you've not been out on a Saturday, Friday night in the town where you live. No, it is like that. Because it is like that. That's how we grew up. Yeah. Walk away. Yeah. You can throw a punch, knock someone down, and they could die. Yeah. And then that's it. Your life is over. Yeah. Harness the monster. Mm. <laughs> so, Harness so, the monster. Lex Friedman, another podcaster, oh, yeah. he's got some amazing stuff. He did this interview with a guy called um, Ed Calderon, who was like a narco cop in Mexico, right. like in Tijuana or somewhere, like mad. Like he went all the way, this guy, and he saw his stories are off the scale. But he talks about calculus, and you have to do the calculus in that moment. You have to add things up. And it is, could I potentially damage someone here, or can I walk away? Will my ego and my pride let me walk away? You know, if you've been well, called out Well, this is fronted, not the time to have ego or pride. No. Like, walk away. Like, what are you going to gain? Yeah. Unless you're under imminent threat of death and your yeah. only way is to fight your way out. Yeah. Run away. Yeah. Like, just, like uh, who's the other podcast we like? Uh, Jocko. Yeah. Jocko, ex-Navy SEAL, yeah, like, yeah. task force bruiser or whatever it was in yeah. Iraq or Afghan. Like, he yeah. says, there is a black belt... In loads of different loads, things. Yeah, yeah. Expert combat guy. He's like, just go, just leave. Just just get away. Yeah. So we could talk about it because there's some interesting stuff. How long have we been talking for, actually? Over an hour. Have we? Yeah. Wow. So this podcast with Lex Friedman and Ed Calderon, they talk about some practical ways in which you can avoid conflict situations. Right. And it talks about... First of all, the importance of a, of a combative base. So things like boxing, martial arts will teach you a combative base that a lot of people don't have. 
Mm. I think for a lot of Christian blokes, this may seem a little bit countercultural and a little bit unspiritual, but I don't think it is. Because what a combative base will give you is, a, is an awareness of distance. So much of the stuff online of someone getting uh, assaulted or anything, you can see how close the, the, the assailant's getting and, and almost invited in. And the other person's totally unaware of distances and space and watching feet and watching hands. So a few things he talks about are look out for a lack of symmetry. So basically... You, you're looking for someone who's relaxed and non-confrontational or planning. They're quite symmetrical. Mm. Arms down by their side, arms crossed, feet together. Whereas if someone's side on, one arm back, looking round, sort of, you know, there's a lack of symmetry in that person. So something is happening. There's also this hyper-awareness. So if someone's hyper-aware in, situa- in a conflict situation, if someone's showing sort of this hyper-awareness, looking around, working out where am I going to run, is it now the, is now the right moment, then you need to be alert, you need to be aware. So there's loads of signals and stuff. But people who are hyper-aware are people who have been in combat situations, right? They, they're... Well, they've got a combative base. They know how quick it can escalate. Yeah. And this is something... Well, Jocko... we've been in situations where haven't yeah, we? Because yeah. we grew up with probably yeah. working-class areas going out for beers. We've been in pubs before and we were on the way to the gathering, weren't we? And, yeah. And it, yeah. Like, this is, oh, we get out of here and then yeah. it kicks off moments later. Yeah, yeah. You can see it, can't yeah, you? Yeah, you can. But but this is something Jocko it, talks it about. It happens fast. It goes quick. But you can take steps to really avoid this stuff. So there is, they, they interviewed, Jocko talks about it, they interviewed a load of guys, criminal guys, and said, who do you look for? What are the targets? And, and typically, who do you avoid? Mm. And one thing came consistently. The people that they avoided had an organised quality. Right. So the guys who showed a sense of situational awareness, uh, they, they, they walked in a certain way that was, you know, it had an objective to it. They weren't just meandering along, looking at their phone, right. head down, like distracted. They were like... There's an organised quality about someone alert that made them less Focused. of a target. Yeah, yeah, and that's important. Um, de-escalation is always really, really important. And actually, sometimes I look, you know, eye contact, avoid eye contact, take steps back, put space, you know, start moving out the situation as it's developing. And we do that loads. We've mm. seen that work. Yeah. You know, don't confront someone, look away. But that's the calculus because your ego says, no, stand your ground. Don't look away. Do you think do you think you can see the same traits on social media? I think you can. Yeah. The people who are up for a fight. You can spot it a mile or can't you? You put a tweet up or a comment yep. and they're on it yeah. like, straight away. And you know, like I think yeah. this person's bad news like, and it's not going to engage with yep. you. Or they have another persona online yeah. that yeah. is like that. They're just out, yeah. up for it. Mate, the amount of young people in London that got stabbed, I was looking at the stats, and a lot of the time it was like they'd had an argument on Snapchat with right. a bloke. Yeah. And, you know, words were said. Yeah. And it just it went from there to next face time. Face to face, yeah, that's just it. stab you up. Yeah, that's it. So there's a lot of um, de- com- uh, what did I say? de-escalation uh, and, and ways it's in which you can... It's worth it, man. No. Like, it's only your pride that gets you into these problems. Yeah, yeah. It's ego and pride. And and sometimes, like, so we were in a situation once in Brazil where we were on the beach in a tourist area and a motorbike came past and mm. it had two blokes on it. So in, instantly in South America, and I think I'm safe in saying this, if there's two guys on a motorbike, generally speaking, it's bad news. 
Yeah. It's just bad news. Yeah. And I watched them. I happened to look up as they went past on this motorbike and they turned round and got a better position. And I could see the driver was looking in his wing mirror at us. So I was with my family, young children and my in-laws on a beach in Brazil in a touristy area and they had their mobile phones out. Yeah. So I knew straight away we were a target anyway. But when I clocked these guys, because uh, I do try and be situationally aware when I'm out and about, particularly in transitional spaces. So it's it's these times when like, like like practiced or routine behavior. So you get out your car, you lock your car, you walk to your front door, you put your key in and you go in. That's a transitional space that you're doing on autopilot mm. and you're a target essentially because mm, you're vulnerable because you, you it's something you do all the time. So I was looking and thinking, okay, this isn't good. And one guy got off the motorbike and walked past us, looking, 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 hyper aware, mm. scanning the situation. And I was like, what do I do? As he turned to come back, I saw he had a revolver in the top of his trousers, the sort of mm. pistol, the, the butt of the pistol, the grip sticking out his top of his trousers. So he's looking, looking, looking. I'm like, any point now he's going to pull that and he'll just take our phones and our money and hopefully be gone. I know of situations where guys in Everton, for example, a guy we know, have been held up, given over the stuff that they were asked for, and then they pulled the trigger anyway. So there's no guarantee that you're mm -hmm. even going to... There's no reasoning you know it's just madness and I was lower down than him so I stood up and I stood up higher on a little step on off the beach stood up so I was almost eye level and as he turned as he was scanning he suddenly turned and realized I was there so I changed my position and not aggressive but I moved from being unaware to aware and I just stood there in the arms down by my side just calm and I just looked at him yeah. And we locked eyes and he and he froze for a moment. It sort of I could see just he suddenly hit this like mm. and all the surprise had gone. And he looked at me, yeah, looked changed at me, the mood in a moment. Changed it. Because he didn't know if I was armed. He didn't know what I was gonna do. No. I just stood there. And he just walked past, looking, <laughs> looking, looking, and he's upped his pace, got on the back of the bike, man. and they went. Dang, yeah. Brazil's dangerous. Dangerous, mate. But that I didn't need to do anything, de-escalated, but I had to take some step just to to almost assert that authority that you're not gonna, you're not gonna get me like this without me knowing. I'm gonna fight back. You know. I, I think you know whenever you can de-escalate. Absolutely. And you, you don't need to get involved. Yeah, Just yeah. don't. You know, as yeah. far as possible, you don't need yeah. to get involved. But these these things it. are important for for young men particularly. You know, my son's twelve, and he's coming through. He's finding out. I mean, we live in a nicer area from where I grew up. There's not the same level of crime and stuff, mm. but. Particularly when we talk about gangs and identity, and it's important, man. It's important that Christian men, I think, our ages are role models and mentors yeah. to these kids. And the role model is the Beatitudes, actually. Yeah. Blessed the peacemakers. Yeah. Unless we talked about the warrior shepherd. It's, yeah. But you know, peacemakers do put themselves in harm's way. But you know, being merciful and meek, and you know, devoid Maybe. of ego. Yeah. I've always, I've always felt that like this, the Beatitudes or the fruits of the spirit have always been quite passive, but they're actually weapons. No, no they can be. Can be a warrior's weapons. But like Gandhi used the Beatitudes to bring down the Raj, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. So the passive actually, resistance. Yeah. They, they got fed up with beating them to the ground. Yeah. It's very so powerful. You can almost. What Jesus said, someone takes your cloak, give, give him your yeah. shirt off your back. Passive, passive resistance is a very powerful thing. That's interesting. But break into my house, I will try and take you down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the bottom line. 
<laughs> if I find you creeping around my daughter's bedroom, yeah. you're, you're getting yeah. chucked down the stairs. But it's always felt quite defensive, the fruits of spirit or the Beatitudes and the Christian uh, one. Yeah. But a lot of it's offensive. Like, it these is. are tools to change the world. Yeah, and it's why you need to put on armour because mm. you're actually putting yourself in harm's way. Mm. Wow. I think the modern day the modern day warrior shepherd dudes, the people who speak their mind in a gracious, godly way, not afraid of to have an opinion, will take the debate into the public arena, will follow up an idea of actual action mm. or just have a dream in their head mm. and actually try and make a difference and stand in the gap for people who are perishing without Christ. There's hard graft. It's brutal. Yeah. Like That kind of leadership is brutal, but you can do it with grace. You don't have to do it by shooting people down and by gobbing off. Yeah. And, you know, by treading over people. It's actually gutless. Yeah. It's gutless. And when I say speaking your mind and giving an opinion, I don't mean trolling people. Yeah. That's sort of, that's weak. Just yeah. being bitter and cynical from yeah, a, yeah. never actually applying yourself to anything. But, yeah. But, but actually speaking up for what you believe, mm. speaking the truth but with grace and actually trying to make a difference, that's, that's courageous. I yeah. Think. Yeah, it changes things, doesn't it? Yeah. Nothing changes unless people have a go. Mm. That's an interesting chat. Yeah. Before you knock it on the head, what do you reckon? <laughs> <laughs> Until next time.